You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, Give Me One. Special edition, number two, Real time. Game of Thrones, Down episode up. four. The spoiler. I needed to do this song. Yeah, I'm a nerd. It's a big secret, but I'm a nerd. And I love these books. If you watch it on HBO and think you know what's going on, I appreciate that. The people who waited five years for dance, this one's for you. Check it. Welcome to the Give Me Five podcast special episode, Give Me One. We are going to talk about Game of Thrones, episode four of season seven. Uh, the reason why we've decided to split these off into special episodes is we've actually gotten a few emails, a few messages from people saying that they like listening to the podcast, but they have to fast forward through the Game of Thrones stuff because they're either watching it later on on Blu-ray or they don't watch it at all. Which and is totally people are wrong. Just, just wrong. But we still love yeah. it. <laughs> you have serious problems. The real fun part about tonight is we're going to get a chance to talk about the show and all the really awesome things that happen in this particular episode. And I have found it very difficult to speak today. So every time I try to talk, I come up with lovely things such as uh, Freddy the Kruger. And uh, Texas Chainsaw Mexico. Yeah, so. And you know, these are all things that come up in a normal conversation. with. Yeah, this is actually at work. So while I'm having a hard time saying awesome things like. Freddy Krueger and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, be aware that I was talking about them in relation to something I'm doing for work. So I'm cool with that. So we are going to, of course, take you through the episode. And with that comes spoilers. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Okay. I think that's enough. Yeah. So, you know, if you guys didn't want to hear what we thought about this episode, you're going to hear it and there will be spoilers. So deal with it. Not to be a jerk, but... You weren't being a jerk. Rob is the jerk. Remember? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. <clears throat> You're the lovable one. Rob is the jerk. And I'm the one that can't put a sentence together. Okay. So who wants to give us the rundown? I guess I'm going to stop it and then we can figure that out. All right. So this week's episode begins on a shot with a successful Lannister army leaving Highgarden after they've defeated the Tyrells. And Jamie reveals the... Spoils of War, as is the title of the episode, a wagon full of gold bars. Just <laughs> laden. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and Jamie and Bron have a discussion, and uh, Bron, who we see again, he um, is really concerned about getting paid after he, he sees this train. So Jamie hands him a bag of gold, and we're all good there. Well, not entirely, because Bron's kind of looking longingly at that wagon. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, could you pay me a little bit more than that? I mean, it's not it... the most exciting opening, but it does tie back into last week's episode where Cersei was looking for more money from the Iron Bank, and the Iron Bank is like, well, we, you already owe us a ton of money. Yeah. There's also the conversations about the Lannisters being out of gold, and yeah, you mentioned Bronn. He wants more than just gold as well. I th He wants his own kingdom. Yeah, well, he's. I, I think he's getting a little disillusioned if you will um he seems like he's he's he feels unappreciated i think that he's because he keeps talking about the castle that he was promised and yeah. the um and the lannisters promised him you know a title and a castle and all of that and i think yeah. he's he's getting a little a little tired but the good mercenary that he is as long as he's getting paid he's he's kind of hanging out yeah yep. the cell sword i think he's Getting a little tired, like you said, Rob. And and also of note, it really seems like Jamie's getting a little a little long in the tooth with uh, everything that's going on. 
Um, but you know that that also could be carryover from last episode because as we saw at the end of last episode, um, Elena dropped that bomb on him that yes, Drop. yeah, I killed your son. I arranged to have your son killed, and you just gave me a merciful death. Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> he looks a little weary. Um, he he's not crying on the trail or anything like that, but. You know, that's definitely in the back of his mind. And it may be, you know, breeding a little contempt towards Circe for him as, you know, by Circe's uh, suggestion that it was Tyrion who poisoned Joffrey. And, you know, that being one of the reasons why Tyrion was kind of had to go on the run and he was excommunicated from the family. And Jamie has said in previous episodes, you know, I loved him. Um but he believes that – he still believes – well, he believed up until last week that Tyrion, you know, did kill his son or his nephew. It would be Tyrion's nephew. And and we may we may be headed for the, the wedge between Jaime and Cersei when she refuses to accept the fact – because I, I think that even when it's – even when it's presented to her that Elena was responsible for it – I don't think she's going to be able to let go of that hatred for Tyrion. No, I don't think and, so. And Jamie's, and that's going to be the wedge. That's going to be a wedge or the wedge that drives her and Jamie apart. Could be. Jamie's always been very protective of Tyrion. Yes. yes. So that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when he says, no, I know he's not responsible. She confessed. I know she did it. Tyrion had nothing to do with it. Why are you, and you know, and it'll just be because she hates him. And and he won't be able to deal with that. That'll that'll because I still think that Jamie does have a conscience. I mean, Jamie, <sighs> Jamie, Jamie is a funny one. He's I I think that he's got this this underlying morality that he's that I he's, agree that that is really important to him. And I don't think that he's going to be able to do to do something that against what he feels when he knows it's absolutely completely wrong. Yeah, with everything that's happened, it's a little bit frustrating for me to watch Jamie even now. Well, it, it's yet to be seen how devoted and in love he still is with his sister. But it's frustrating for me after watching him go through what he did with Brienne and then just kind of come back and be, yeah. you know, commander of the Lannister army and just kind of forget that that all happened. So if Jamie is alive, which we'll get to. There may it may come to a head with that and, relationship, and I really, really want to like Jamie. I mean, he keeps doing these things that make me want to like him, and then it just falls back into the same old routine. And I'm like, come on, Jamie, wake up! She's so evil. <laughs> Stop yeah, it! Yeah, exactly. Yet again, things get creepy, and that is my time to shine. So, Littlefinger kind of slithers up to Bran, and basically says anything i can do for you just asks and he also gives him the valerian steel dagger yes that. the dagger that was intended to kill him yes at the right. very beginning of the whole show seven and, long seasons ago yeah and he thinks he's making this great gesture because i i think he's making calculations that he sees bran and knows that bran is the last remaining trueborn son and he's like oh you know i need to get in good because he's in charge now doesn't matter that John has been, you know, chosen as king. Bran is the rightful heir, so it's gonna be Bran whenever John gets back, and he's gonna be disappointed. And I think, I think, uh, I think Littlefinger's a little bit uh, taken aback by um, Robot Bran. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so do you think that Bran has been able to see all of the stuff that Littlefinger's trying to pull behind the scenes and all the, the fact that that he basically sold off Sansa and killed a member of their family or was it is was the woman that he pushed off the airy a member of their family? That yeah. was Kat's sister. Yeah. So so do you think I'm assuming Bran knows that stuff. It's beneath I, him at this point, but he knows I it. mean I would I would think he does. Otherwise, he's just been focusing on the wrong weird crap because he's watching his sister get raped. And I, if he's not paying attention to the other stuff, I mean, there's something weird going on. But um, I, I think Bran knows quite a bit, and he's just not revealing it yet. He could be because he knows what's going to happen and what has happened. Just putting everything in the right spots, but passively. The conversation, every time Bran speaks, I, I wrote this down in my show notes. It reminded me of like all the emo kids that used to hang around like drama club in school. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I regret the sun. It's just very like robotic and flat. It was, it's weird and creepy. Yeah, it's, it's weird. You know, um, his interactions with, you know, his family and even Mira, who helped Bran, you know, yes. throughout everything. Mira is the reason why Bran's still alive. I mean, I guess we can stop referring to him as Bran. Yeah, the Raven. The three-eyed and, Raven. And I, I mean, that scene between him and Mira, I was, I was just like, dude, what is going? Yeah, I, I mean, felt... they've really taken all of the emotion away. And Mira was was a hundred percent correct when she told him, "You died in that cave," yep. because he did. Bran is gone. There is no Bran. Yep. He is the three-eyed Raven. He he even says, you know, he says, "I remember being Bran," but. Bran is no more, even when Mira and, you know, it brought back a very emotional scene for a lot of us when she says, you know, my brother died for you. Um, Hodor died for you. And that, oh, that was, that was intense. But, you know, Bran, he, he just looks at her and he goes, I'm sorry. One one of the things I don't like about it is it, because it didn't seem like the other three-eyed raven was that way. And I mean... If, if they were going to if they were going to go this way, I mean, they should have kind of set the precedent for that with the with the other three eyed raven being so cold and detached and and all of that because I didn't really get that from him. Now it's possible that we didn't have enough interaction with him to be able to determine that, but still, he at least showed emotion, right? You know, he showed concern for Bran. He fought for Bran. He didn't look like his face was completely devoid of any emotion whatsoever right. you know so it it frustrates me a little bit too um and now it seems like you know if bran were standing there and or sitting there if bran were sitting there watching someone he <laughs> loved get hacked to pieces um watching someone he loved get hacked to pieces he would it it almost seems like he would just continue to stand there and watch almost like he's a reporter or something you know it's just like oh you know it's not my job to interfere anymore i just yeah. i just keep track and it's like, no, that's not – and it, it bugs me that they've gone that far with it. I agree. The also uh, – the other important thing in that – the other important thing is that in that scene is when Bran tells Littlefinger that chaos is a ladder, which is something that Littlefinger said like in season two or three, I think. Yeah, I think we've heard that a couple of times. But he never said it to Bran. So that is a little hint to, to Littlefinger that Bran does see – more or no more gotcha, gotcha. and he's letting yeah on. he's he's like i see you you know i i know what you're up to and little finger just kind of gives him that oh crap like am i in trouble 
<laughs> kind of look. And then, you know, Littlefinger gives Bran the dagger that he was supposed to be killed with. And Bran's just kind of like, I don't, I don't care. I want this. Right. Now, now also, because there's there's a couple of scenes that are like this, because in in the similar vein of stumbling all over yourself to try and to try and gain favor, um, we also see the Iron Bank dealing with Cersei after they've received their gold. And they are super, super anxious to um, to get their mitts back into the Iron Throne, basically. They're like, oh, we, you know, you're no longer in debt to us. You know, how can we help you? What can we do? You know, we, we don't want to lose your business kind of thing. And, and, yeah. and it's all – and everybody's just kind of groveling at um, – at, at the people in charge at this point. And, and it's just kind of comical to watch this guy, you know, who was, who was lording over Cersei in the previous episode about, well, you know, you guys are in debt and, you know, we might have to, and now that she doesn't know him anything, they're like, Oh, 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 what can, what can we do? How can we help you? You know, do you need more money? We can give you more money. Hey. Yeah. He's, he's kind of like, Oh, the Lanners, the, the Lannisters, they always do pay their debts. So what you need, <laughs> you know, that was the fastest one-time payment we've ever seen. This show has been really, really good with the clever scene changes between the, uh, what, the scab being removed and the pot pie being yeah, yeah. bitten Ugh. into. The good transitions. And, yeah, and then the, uh, the the transitions of poop that we've, of course, talked about. At length. Yes. <laughs> and this one, they cut to a scene using audio. And the the phrase that is being said from one guard to another guard at Winterfell is the only thing in the kitchen you put your cock in is the liver. That's how we are introduced to the two most bumbling guards oh. since I think they're somewhere yeah, oh, somewhere oh, between wow. the guards from Monty Python and the Holy Grail and, <laughs> oh, yes. and the ones from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Somewhere in between those two groups of guards. Yeah, and they are trying to stop Arya from getting into Winterfell. They, they were they were gonna turn her away, and Sansa or Arya basically just talks him into it. Like, look, if I'm who I say I am, and you turn me away, and Sansa finds out about it, what do you think is gonna happen? If I'm not who I say I am, it's gonna be found out real quick, isn't it? So you know what's wh- wh- which side do you want to play that? And they're like, oh, um, well, uh. <laughs> Uh, so, what do you so they think? Bring her, so they bring her in, set her down, argue for a minute, just like all good bumbling guards, and she's gone. Uh, are you gonna try that the next time you get uh, refused entry to the nightclub, Greg? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm Drake. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Arya has this. She just shows how clever she is and how clever she's become. And they're sitting there, you know, they're. Like, you sit right there on this bench. We're going to have a a talk, you know, guard to guard. And they have their little, you know, hey, you know, is she really? Uh, do, you, do you think it could be? And they turned around and they go, oh, crap. She's of course she's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so they go and tell Sansa. And Sansa, of course, knows exactly where she's at. And she is down in their family, their family tomb, so to speak. Um, you know, communing with the ancestors, and Sansa goes down there and finds Arya. Yeah, Sansa walks up behind Arya as she's looking at the um, the monument to Ned Stark, and you it, know, it, well, as... it's actually at the end of the hall. You know, Sansa walks in, and they and they have this great this great moment where they it's they have like one or two sentences where they don't really say anything. Yeah, and then they kind of rush at each other. And... The, yeah, 
there was a very it, it was a little bit tense for me and it it almost got to the point where I was like, oh man, come on, please. Like, can you guys be cool? Because, you know, Arya, uh, Sansa walks up and Arya says, well, do I have to call you Lady Stark now? And it's like, oh, geez, they're not going to be cool. But like you said, they do, you know, they have this conversation about how the statue of Ned Stark doesn't look like him. And they actually knew the face of their father, Game of Thrones reference. And, you know, they embrace, they come together. And it, it was really nice or to see. Or Dark Tower. They've forgotten the face of Whoops. That's what I meant. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, they... <laughs> and then the conversation turns to, you know, Sansa says, Hey, well, Bran's here, too. Oh, and, Creepy Miss Creeperton. And, and Arya's like, oh, great. And Sansa's just kind of like, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> let's... Let's go talk to him. One, one of those you'll you, you'll just have to. Skip. Yeah. So it was a, it was. They have Brandon like this wheelchair, and uh, it just looked less Game of Thrones and more creepy horror movie from the 1960s. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it sure did. So that's really like that took me a little bit out of that conversation. So that's like all I remember about that particular scene. Oh no, I do remember the dagger. Yes, Bran takes the dagger that Littlefinger gave him and just gives it to Arya, and she's like. Are you sure? It's Valerian steel. And he's like, I can't use it. Go ahead. Yeah. And Arya's like, okay, sure. Thanks. He's just so blase about it because I think Littlefinger gave that to him under the assumption that he was talking to Bran and that Bran would actually care. Say, like, oh, this is great. Thank you so much. But he's not Bran anymore. So Bran just kind of holds the thing by the end. And like you said, Arya's like, are, are you sure? You know, this is Valerian steel. And he's just kind of like, meh. I don't care. So then, then we go from there, and now it's a flash over to Daenerys and Jon Snow. Ah, because yes. We're, uh, we're, uh, we're making the rounds with all the Stark children. Um, yep. But Jon Snow wants to show Daenerys the Dragonglass cache before before they start mining it. So he takes her in there to show it to her. And, you know, she's she's awestruck by it. It, it. It's a pretty impressive thing. You know, the cavern full of Dragonglass. But Jon Snow has another thing he wants to drop on her. He's like... But wait, there's more. Yeah, there's more. See these cave drawings? These are done by the children of the forest. It's, okay, you know, it's old, whatever. I wonder what, you know, they were doing here, if they had discovered men yet. And, you know, they, yeah, walked... they, they were probably here long before men. And John was like, mm -mm, nope, look at this. Let's go further into the cave. Yeah. So we learn a little bit more about the struggle between the uh, the men, the first men, and the White Walkers. Yes, the first men. Yeah, we <laughs> we get to the back of the cave and we see this, you know, crude drawing of the White Walkers. And John explains that in his findings, the children of the forest and the first men actually team together to fight their common enemy, and that common enemy will, is the White Walker. So that's kind of you know. Danny has this come to Jesus moment where she says, Oh, well, okay. You're, you know, maybe you're not crazy. Maybe you're telling the truth. And you're like, Oh great. They're going to partner up. And she goes, I'll help you when you bend the knee. And you're just like, come on, really? <laughs> let it go already. Let it go. Come on, Elsa, let it go. <laughs> but, um, you know, he, he makes a good point or, well, he tries to make a good point and says that, you know, the, the Northern, the Northern, uh, subjects will never accept a southern a southern ruler and she says they will 
basically. Yep. You're their king. You tell them what to do. And I, and I think they're getting is, – is this the point where they got to the point where she's like, look, you know, bend the knee. You'll be king in the north. You'll be the warden of the north, just like just like we always were. Um, like she she's basically telling him that you know you bend the knee, you'll still be in charge up there, but you will report to me. So we don't have a clear resolution to whether or not John bent the knee. The two of them walk out of the cave and they're immediately intercepted by Tyrion and his little group of advisors, basically explaining to Danny what happened to Casterly Rock. That the, yeah, things did not go. Yeah, we discussed this last week, so we're not going to get into it too much. But basically, the army that she sent up there, the Unsullied, they took Casterly Rock, but there's really nothing there, and then they're kind of trapped there. Yeah, and as Tyrion is explaining this to Daenerys, uh, we see Varys in the background, and he's just kind of, you know, got his his hands folded, kind of twiddling the thumbs, looking down at the ground, kicking sand, and uh, you know, kind of fully expecting. What's next, which is the Wrath of the Dragon Queen. And she's understandably a little bit upset. She's she's pissed. She's straight up pissed. Oh, she's yeah. she's losing allies left and right. She doesn't know what to do. And 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 in a moment of of probably showing that she's starting to accept John a little yes. she turns to John and says, What would, what would you, you do? do? What would you do? And he yep. basically, you know, he basically tells her that, hey, look, if you take these dragons and you go and you burn down, you know, King's Landing, you kill a whole bunch of people, you're not really any better than those people, and you're not, and you're not going to get the people to follow you that way. The people won't won't appreciate you just massacring everybody. Um, you need to be a little bit smarter about it. You need to show some restraint. You need to. He's like, I I know what you want to do. You can't do that. And and we kind of cut from there. She also turns a little bit on Tyrion as well, you know, knowing that he's a Lannister. She's like, mm -hmm. maybe you set that up. Oh, yeah. Did you plan maybe this? you sent my force up there to, as was this part of your long game, to that, split my forces? That stung a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and I think Tyrion was hurt a little bit by that. But I also think that Tyrion is smart enough to realize that that's kind of what it looks like. So now we're back in Winterfell, and this is probably my... This is only my second favorite scene of the night because oh. there's a better scene that's later. But uh, yeah. this is my second favorite scene of the night. I loved this little bit because oh, you've man. got they come back to Winterfell and um, Brienne is sparring with Podrick and she's basically teaching him because he's still like really green <laughs> behind the gills. He he is completely inept. I mean, granted, Brienne is is an excellent sword swordswoman. Swordswoman, yes. Sword, swords Katir. Anyway. Um, <laughs> she's she's an she's an excellent swords -keteer, and she's just kind of embarrassing him i mean he he goes for he goes for a move and she's like nope your foot's wrong and he goes for another one she smacks him on the butt with the flat of her blade nope you know, went too far and just just kind of like don't lunge him. yes exactly and um Arya walks up and I'm and when Ar as soon as Arya walks up and she's and she says I want to train with you and Brienne's like okay they they you know they get going yeah. and I'm like oh this is what I've been waiting for Brienne's just kind of like what do you want you little pips sweet yeah but for those who don't know Arya is one of my favorite characters I, I I've been waiting for them to unleash her just to show just to show what she can do you know um, fight wise. Yeah, you know, because we've we've seen what she can do as an assassin, 
But yes. I want to see I want to see what she's learned as far as the fight goes. Um, you know, little ninja getting in there mixing things up. Um, and we get that. And Brienne is kind of taken aback and amazed at the skill that Arya had. Um, that we've we've got a nice little um, a nice little melee going on between Arya and Brienne. And and in all honesty, Brienne is an excellent is an excellent swordswoman, and Arya is completely outclassed in size and strength. Arya might have some speed, but we see what happens during this fight when when Brienne actually can get hold of her. You know, I mean, I think there's some of Brienne holding back and whatnot, but I mean, at one point, Brienne just plants a boot in Arya's chest and kicks her across the courtyard. <laughs> and she goes like five, six feet, you know, she flies back. Yeah. It's like, oh, there you go. And then Arya uh, breakdance moves and oh, gets back awesome. to her feet. And she's like, okay, we're serious now. And she just, she strikes this pose, man. Oh, oh man, here we go. Something out of Assassin's Creed. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, did you guys, and I'm going to preface this by saying I don't believe it. Did you guys catch what the people are, there's a few websites Uh, that are reporting something creepy about this scene. Throughout this scene, they're basically uh, a little bit of... Spoiler alert-ish? Well, nah, it's fine. I'm not going to go that deep. There are some fans that are talking about something that happened in the background of that scene. So if you remember, Brienne was talk- was tasked with looking over Sansa and the rest of the Stark children. Arya does mention something along the lines of, ah, everyone got back here safe. And around that moment when they mention her mother saying something about that, there's a woman in a green dress with red hair wandering in the background, like past one of the doors, which could very well... There's a lot of theories that Catelyn Stark isn't really dead. I'm not going to get too much into that because it's spoilers for something that is from the book. Um, and you could and you could think that's just a little goofy mistake or just an extra or something like that. But it also happens again in another shot where they're also talking about the same kind of thing. So the this woman is really the only other person in the scene happens to just drift behind them around this time. Personally, I just think it's an extra, but yeah, I saw it on a bunch of websites today. I figured, hey, let's chat about it. It's worth it. I, it's I worth noting. Yeah, I I saw it, Rob, and you know, I I do know the story of Catelyn Stark in in the books, and we won't get too far into it again. But I just think it's a real stretch. You must really like Arya if you somehow managed to miss a redhead walking around on on a TV screen, Rob. Uh, well, I was really focused <laughs> on the fight. I was really enjoy- I mean, it was it was a really nice fight. They had a, it they, was a really cool scene. It was it was a great choreographed fight. Um, yes, and they they did an excellent job with it. Um, I will say though that at the end of the fight, it the fight ends basically in a stalemate because Brienne charges Arya, and Arya whips out the the dagger that uh, yes. Bran gave her and basically holds it to Brienne's throat. And it's kind of like, Oh, what do we do now? Cause Brienne's got the sword coming down on Arya. Arya's got the dagger coming up to Brienne's throat. And it's like, okay, stalemate. We're done. But the thing that I did notice was that while they were sparring, they kind of drew a crowd and the crowd included Sansa and Littlefinger. And they focused on it a little bit. I think Littlefinger noticed that Bran gave the dagger to Arya. Oh. That's interesting. And my talking about, you know, Bran knows what's going to happen. If he if he knows that Littlefinger has to go, putting that dagger in Arya's hand 
could be a little bit of a thing saying, I know that she's going to be the one that uses that dagger to kill him. Entirely possible. But I, I thought it was interesting because they did kind of linger on Littlefinger a little bit. And it took me a second to realize, oh, that's right. She's using the dagger that that he gave to Bran. Yeah. So How, how cool would it be if we saw this relationship with Brienne and Arya in the limited time left, you know, blossom. And we saw those two on the battlefield, much like a, uh, a Gimli and Legolas from Lord of the Rings, just kind of competing, you know, for kill counts. I, I think that would be amazing. Don't, don't throw me <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or throw me, but don't tell the elf. That still only counts as, so then we move on. So one of the other really neat things about this scene is that while they're talking about, you know, af after the after the battle's over, Brienne kind of looks at Arya and says, who taught you how to do that? And Arya kind of looks up at her and gives her a little half smile and says, no one. And that's that's a call yeah. back to the to the nameless ones. Jake and Hagar. Yeah. To the nameless ones that she trained with. Line of the night, at least up to that point. OK, uh, you know, there's there's a few little things that happen. So let's just burn through those real quick because I don't know how important they are because can, based on what's going to happen at the end of this episode. So uh, Theon arrives back to Dragonstone. And John wants to yeah. kill him. John wants to kill him. He says, the only reason I'm not killing you right now is because of what you did for my sister. When when he helped her escape um, um, Ramsay. Winterfell. Yeah. Yeah, he helped her escape Ramsay. So, yeah, but John really wants to kill him. I really want John to kill him, but you know, whatever. He has enough problems. And and Theon asks where Daenerys is. He needs to talk to Daenerys because he needs to tell her about the the attack on the Greyjoys. And John says she's not here. And he's like, "What do you mean she's not here? Where is she?" And then we cut to the Lannister army. Yeah, we're cutting back to the the Lannister army, which is how the episode began. And they were still kind of doing their straight line, heading back home thing. And then all of a sudden you start seeing or hearing hoofbeats and they're right. But like, before we get down. that, we get we get the new best line of the night where Braun is introduced to Dickon <laughs> <laughs> and then proceeds to laugh in his face about his name. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you just hear the sound of the approaching Dothraki army and you know what it is. It sounds like a storm. And here comes Daenerys Storm. Here comes Daenerys. You know, you see the Dothraki army charging in, and, you know, they say, well, you know, we're going to get slaughtered. And then there's, as Greg put in the show notes, a dragon, big effing dragon. Comes flying <laughs> in right over top of them. Right over the top of the Dothraki army who are just, they're they're hooting and hollering, they're, you know, whooping it up, and they're, they're, waving these their sickles around and you know here comes daenerys targaryen on top of drogon and let the barbecue begin oh this is the first bit uh this is the first time we get a bunch of gratuitous dragon action it was awesome it was incredible gratuitous dragon action we have a title there it is gratuitous dragon action gratuitous um, dragon action. i'm always looking for i'm always looking for the title there it was yeah, you're just waiting to see, you know, where she's going, where Drogon is going to, you know, lay flames down first. And as the Lannister army is, is getting into formation, Drogon, you know, ridden by Danny, comes in and he just blows a hole wide open in the middle of their formation. The line. Oh, yeah. Yep. And then you see, you know, we see this overhead shot 
of, you know, there's a bunch of clashing where the, you know, horses run into the, the pikemen. And then we you know, get if it's to- any type of fantasy show or medieval show. It's never going to be a good time for the horses. No. There's going to be horses getting spears. There's going to be getting chopped up. You see hor- like, yeah, it's all, always hard to watch. It is. I can see knights getting burnt alive by dragons, but <laughs> chop a couple legs off a horse, and I'm like, oh, really? I think I think that overhead shot is important because it shows the Dothraki horde. You know, they're running up. They're running um, up the hole that Drogon has created. Yeah. Um, and it, it, you know, breaches their defense. So we we then get a, a ton of gratuitous, to use the term again, Dothraki. We get to see what all the hype is about. Yeah. That they're just, they're vicious. And they're just overrunning them. Because now they've got a hole in their line, and the Dothraki are just running right through that hole. They're spreading through the camp. They're They're taking people out left and right. And all the while... We're getting gratuitous dragon action because the dragon is just flying around, burning people up, burning yeah. all the stores, all the stores that they've just stolen from the mm-hmm. um, from High Garden. So it's burning up all their extra supplies. Those wagons are blowing up like it's like it's a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> how how cool was it when we cut to the shot of the Dothraki as the bowmen are getting ready, and then we see all the Dothraki charging in, and they. I mean, the majority of them, they stand on their horses. Their, they stand up in the saddle, yeah. So when yep. their horse hits the line, they jump off and they're behind the line. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. So there's a couple of things I, that I also noticed about this this war. Um, this has to be the showpiece battle of the season. Like, oh. they have a good budget for the show. But they spared no expense. I mean, there was at least three, four, maybe five great shots of the dragon flying over the camp, explosions, special Lots effects, and lots of extras or, you know, CG crowds that there were, like you said, it was a very expensive scene. Yes. And that was one of the things I thought about, which is the byproduct of being a CG artist. And I'm sure Jimmy does the same thing. It's like, wow, that was expensive. Yeah. But there's also a couple of things that we see during the battle. Um, Braun makes a beeline, or, or Jamie sends him, I think. Jamie sends Braun to the crossbow that we talked about from Bill scorpion. Nye, the Lannister guy. <laughs> um, so Bill Nye, the Lannister guy, sent the scorpion, the, the crossbow, with uh, with Jamie and Braun. And Braun goes to man the crossbow, and he takes a, he takes a shot at, um, at Drogon and misses. And, um, but, oh, I forgot something. There's a scene where, where uh, Braun is running towards the crossbow. And we might see a little bit of a change in Braun. I'm not sure, but it might be the beginning of something where Braun is knocked down by an explosion and he loses his bag of money. And he takes a long look at the bag of money and then he just runs away and leaves it there because he's yeah. got stuff that he's got to do. So he he abandons the money, which is kind of hard for a sellsword. So yep. he makes a beeline for the, for the scorpion and he uses the scorpion crossbow and he tries to or the ballista, I guess we could call it. Um, And he tries to take out Drogon. He misses the first shot, but the second shot wings him. And he hits Drogon in the shoulder, and Danny and Drogon go down. Yeah, I was... You kind of knew it was going to happen after he takes the first shot, and he's, you know, he lines it back up, and he says, come on, come on. And I was just kind of thinking, oh, here it is, he's going to kill Drogon. And and there there were two things that I was thinking as this episode was going on. One, I was thinking, why the hell are you flying directly at this thing? 
and two. <laughs> Just like when uh, one of the Stark brothers was riding away. Was that it? Someone got shot in the back with an arrow. Yeah, like zigzag or something. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they're flying right at this crossbow thing, and you know, of course, they take the they take the arrow. But the other thing I was thinking it was that. Oh man, I was right. We're gonna lose a dragon here, and we're gonna lose a dragon tonight. Yeah. Spoiler warning: We didn't lose a dragon. Just in the shoulder. Just got wing. That made me think of something else too. When that happened, because I was like, <gasps> "Zombie dragons." Zombie dragons. If one of the dragons goes down, can the White Walkers animate? You you mentioned that to me in a in a text message, and I did do some some looking up, and there's been some arguments online about that. Oh really? Yeah. Damn it! I'm not the only I, one. You're not the, really zombie dragons, and you think that people didn't discuss that on the internet? Well, I guess it. So, for those of you guys that also listen to our regular show, I did mention some things about the Dark Tower that I wasn't necessarily scared, and I think they didn't do a good job of explaining certain things. Um, now we pulled this part out of that episode to kind of do our own special edition, and this was going to be my example because. In this show, when they finally reveal the dragons, they do some things in this battle that I thought was really interesting. They showed, first of all, the, the wagons exploding, with, which I mentioned. But they also showed some close-ups of people getting hit point-blank with the fire. And they were reduced to ash, like, instantly. As the fire was dissipating, their, the ash was just kind of blowing away. And when this next scene happened, when the closing scene happens, it really revealed what could happen to a character which actually raised the stakes instantaneously without actually saying anything about it. And, of course, the dragon lands from getting hit with that giant bolt. And Danny is pops off, and she's trying to pull the bolt out. And, of course, Jamie Lannister sees her from across the battlefield. And, and sees her take, back. Sees her back to him and kind of takes a run at her. And at the last second, the dragon whips his head around and you see the deep in the dragon's throat, the basic magma starting to build up to unleash fire on him. And at the last second, of course, someone, which I'm assuming is Bronn, knocks it him yeah. off of his horse and into a, a very deep swamp. And that was the first thing I thought of when that happened. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. He's riding. Yeah. He's actually in the water on this river and he's riding along the river and Bronn knocks him off his horse. And in the distance from the horse to the water, all of a sudden it's like 80 feet deep. I'm like, what yeah, is that? Slowly <laughs> that, drifting to the bottom. <laughs> that shelf dropped off real quick. Real uh, quick. I was like, what? It's. I, I think it's important to note that that scene did not happen without some, uh, you know, they cut to Tyrion, who yeah. is standing atop, you know, uh, off the battlefield, but watching everything with the Dothraki advisors. And he says, you know, he flee, you idiot. And he, he really has a genuine look of concern that he's about to watch his brother die. And... You know, Jamie then gets, like you said, knocked off the horse into the extremely deep swamp. Puddle. Puddle. The, 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 the deepest puddle ever. Extremely oddly deep. <laughs> it was just like out of nowhere. Oh, hey. It's deep enough right? to have a very beautiful shot of him drifting into darkness. Yeah. It was like, how how river just like suddenly. Which, I mean, it, that could be the end of the line for Braun, but... Does anybody really expect that that's the end of the line for Jamie? I don't. I don't even think it's the end of the line for Braun. I think they've got more. A buddy comedy with Brienne. 
exactly. And um, and it's it's really nice that we get to see the you get to see a, a, a bit of Tyrion, the, the mask cracks. You know, Tyrion's the wise cracking, the um, the don't let anybody get too close. But you really get to see some of the genuine affection that he has for his brother. And his brother is probably the only Lannister that Tyrion actually likes. And you and you see some of that come through as as he's as he's afraid that his brother is going to be burned to a crisp, burned to ash by this dragon. And you almost you almost wonder whether or not that would affect his relationship with Daenerys. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. So that takes us to the end. Any comments? I think I think your son had the best comment. Yeah, my son did have the best comment. Um it was actually from the, the previous episode, and I will tell a story of my son. Uh, the previous episode, my wife had missed a part of it, so she was she kind of snuck off into the bedroom to watch it, and it was the scene where Jon Snow was brooding on top of a cliff, and my son kind of came in the bedroom, and thankfully it wasn't any scene of anything worse, because he is four. In his, so, in his kingly cloak and it, all of his armor yeah, and everything. So he's there with the, the big furry jacket on, which earlier this week it did break that those, those, all that fur was actually carpets from Ikea. That they bought and, and dirtied up, but so he's up I there, there and, he's, and he's all like furry. And my son walks in and goes, "Mommy, is that a monkey?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> it could have been way worse. Yes. <laughs> and on that note, I bid our listeners adieu. If you'd like to hit us up and tell you tell us what you think about the episode, you know where to find us. You can find us on Facebook. Just look for Give Me Five Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Give Me Five Pod, or you can email us at the Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. Is that right? Did I get that it? That is one hundred percent correct. Oh yes. So you can find us there. And remember, that's F I V E, not the number. You can also find us on Instagram at Give Me Five Pod, where you can find a really disturbing image of Siron Lanajoy, who is the subject of our last conversation. Thank you guys. Good night. Mommy, is that a monkey?